Tonight's trigger warning involves child death, so if you are squeamish about that, um, check out one of my other episodes and keep your mental health safe. So, we'll check you out in the next one. Bye! Are we rolling? We are rolling. What's up, my kitty carryalls? Y'all know what today is. Podcast day. We are we are well aware we haven't been on air for a bit due to some stuffs. But, you know. It's none of your business. <laughs> things happen, so yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Here we are. So we're going to be talking about Marianne Cotton. One of uh, England's first female serial killers. So... Remember, guys, you can catch your own uh, podcast and learn to do your own podcast on Spotify, Wikipedia. No, my bad. I get information from Wikipedia. (laughs) (laughs) My fool, my fool. No, what was I going to say? Spotify. We can go on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, even on now on iHeartRadio, which is a big shocker to me. Oh, wow. We're on iHeartRadio. Yay. Sweet. Alright guys, Marianne Cotton. Oh, she was known as a black widow. She was a dressmaker, a nurse, and a housekeeper. Criminal penalty, which means she was sentenced to death by hanging. (laughs) So, she was born Mary Ann Robson. Born October 31st, 1832, and Low Morsley Houghton, Lay Spring, County Durham, England. She was executed on March 24th, 1873, at Durham, Gaul, England. Her victims. <laughs> 21, including three of her husbands and 12 children. Jesus. Oh, no. No. Well, the Black Widow. She was a Black Widow killer, yeah. Fester's wife was. <laughs> Movie reference. Quick tidbit. The new Wednesday is pretty dope. <laughs> yeah, it's good. You're gonna like it. Yeah, I liked it. It was pretty cool. If you guys are a fan, big fans of Adam's Family, give Wednesday on Netflix a chance. I um, guarantee you'll love it. It's pretty cool. So, yeah. Okay, let's do with the early life. <laughs> so, I want to let my brother take it away, and right. here we go. Born in Low Moresley, in the hole. <laughs> in the hole. Which is part of a kind of weird name, but yeah, that's the county of Durham, England. Any conversation about the notorious serious killers, uh, serial killers? Serial killer. Serious killer. <laughs> man, this chick is nasty. Okay. Childhood and early life. Let's go on. Marianne Cotton was born in a small village in North England on 31st. October in nineteen thirty two. Wow, this bitch was old. <laughs> <laughs> to a minor father who died while Mary was just eight. Wow. The mother had to take care of three children while, su- while suffering with the depression owing to her husband's death. 
Mary's mother remarried a few years later, but Mary hated her stepfather. The constant <clears throat> as assaults from her stepfather left Mary no choice but to run away from home at the age of 16. The nearby village of South Hinton Hinton was her uh, destination, and she started working there as a nurse at a house at the house house of a manager named Edward Potter. A few a few years later, she returned back to her stepfather's house and started working as a dressmaker with dreams of making wealth. And she got married for the first time at the age of twenty. That's not bad. <laughs> well, like yeah, well, back in those days, I mean, I mean, twenty is like the marriageable age. As twenty a, is like the new forty. Yeah, <laughs> okay. twenty was like the, the old forty. <laughs> as opposed to um, okay, so that was across the pond, but uh, like just gonna throw this in a little tidbit. If you were twenty <laughs> in the Wild West, you're considered a fucking school mom, which means you're like old as fuck. Because they, they actually, like, favorite child brides out here, which is kind of fucked up. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's nasty. Ugh. So we're going to go to the husband number one, William Malbray. In 1852, 20-year-old Mary Ann married colliery laborer William Malbray at New, uh, Newcastle upon Teen Register Office. They soon moved to southwest England at the time of her trial, where there were reports of four or five of their children dying young while they were living away from County Durham. None of these deaths are registered. Although registration was compulsory at the time, the law was not enforced until 1874. The birth, only the birth recorded was that of their daughter, Margaret Jane, born at St. Germans in 1856. William and Mary Ann moved back to North East England, where William worked as a fireman aboard a steam vessel sailing out of Sunderland, then as a colliery foreman. Another daughter, Isabella, was born in 1858, and and Margaret Jane died in 1860. Another daughter, also named Margaret Jane, was born in 1861, and a son, John Robert William, who was born in 1863 but died the next year from gastric fever. William died of an intestinal disorder in January in 1865. The lives of William and their children were insured by British and Prudential Insurance Offices. Mary Ann collected a payout of 35 pounds on William's death, equivalent to $3,560 pounds in 2021, and about a half year's wages for the manual labor at the time, and (laughs) £25 for... John Robert William. Wow. <laughs> I mean, do you think it's kind of coincidental like all her kids died? That is. Okay. Husband number two. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you want to read George? George, yeah. George Ward. Mary's good looks helped her with getting the attention of George Ward, who happened to be one of the patients in the infirmary where she worked as a nurse. The couple dated for some time and got married in August of 1965. Holy shit. Are you sure? It was 1865. 1865. August of 1865. Okay, somebody fucked up here. Okay, roughly a year later, George uh, succumbed to an illness with symptoms of paralyzed body and intestinal infection. English, uh, cholera, 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 cholera. cholera. oh, yeah, shit, the black black shit, shit. (laughs) (laughs) was found out to be the cause by the doctors who said that he had been suffering from the illness since a very long time, but even then, they said 
His sudden death was surprising, but no suspicious no suspicions were raised. Raised by that. Mary Ann took the insurance money and started a relationship with widower James Robinson. Oh Lord. So apparently they thought he had the black shit. <laughs> yeah, the intestinal, yeah, that's the intestinal, yeah. right? James Robinson is shipwright at Pallion in Sunderland, whose wife Hannah had recently died. He had hired Marianne as a housekeeper in November um, 1866, a month later, when James' baby died, John died of gastric fever. He turned to his housekeeper for comfort, and she became pregnant. Then Marianne's mother, living at Seaham Harbor, County Durham, became ill with hepatitis. Ooh. I wonder how she got that. Down, go. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Sidetrack. So she immediately went to her. Although her mother began to recover, she also began to complain of stomach pains. She died of uh, at the age of 54 in the spring of 1867, nine days after Marianne's arrival. In 1867, Marianne's stepfather, George Stott, married his widowed neighbor, Hannah Paley. Marianne's daughter, Isabella Mulberry, was brought back to the Robinson household and soon developed severe stomach pains and died, as did so of Robinson's children. Two of his children, Elizabeth and James, all three children were buried in the last week of April and the first week of May, 1867. And Marianne received a life insurance payment of five, ten, and six pounds for Isabella. Holy shit. Okay, Robinson married Marianne at St. Michael's Bishop Wearmouth on August 11th, 1867. Their Their first child, Margaret Isabella, married Isabella on her baptismal record, was born that November, but she soon became ill and died in February 1868. Their second child, George, was born on June 18th, 1869. Robinson, meanwhile, had become suspicious of his wife's insistence that he insure his life. He discovered that she had run up debts up to 60 pounds behind his back and stolen more than 50 pounds that she expected that she had been expected to bank. He then found that Marianne had been forcing his older children to pawn household valuables. He threw her out, regaining, retaining custody of their son, George. Oh, shit. Here's the next one. Frederick Cotton. Oh, shit. Okay, yeah, that's kind of where it came. Mary became bankrupt and started living on the streets when one of her friends, Margaret, introduced Mary to her brother, Frederick Cotton, also a newly widower. He fathered two children, Charles and Frederick Jr., who were getting looked after by Margaret, their aunt, who quite obviously died of a stomach-related illness. Mary took the charge of consoling Frederick Sr. and became pregnant with his child. They got married, and Mary became, Mary gave birth to his son, George. Mary came to know that one of her former lovers, Joseph Nataras, Nataras, Natras, Natras, I don't know, Joseph Natras, <laughs> was living a few kilometers away, and to rekindle a relationship mary manipulated her husband to go to the village where joseph lived then frederick got ill from gastric fever sometime later and died mary took the insurance money and started a relationship with mr joseph natras who also died sometime later of gastric fever then there's thomas riley holy shit like so marianne was a bigamist she was still technically married to uh What's his name? Robinson. When he kicked her out, he didn't divorce her. <laughs> they were still married, so she was kind of a bigamist right there. <laughs> Holy shit! 
All right. Okay, let me find. What's his name? Thomas Riley. Oh, Lord. She is one deadly lady, that one. Her lovers. Okay. Does it say a lot of Thomas about you on your on your end? Mm, kind of, sort of. It's like maybe... Oh, okay. You want me to read it? Yeah, you read it. Thomas Riley was the first person to send something off about her history. And one day, flowing with overconfidence resulting from her past triumphs, she told him that the last living boy from the Cotton family, Charles, will die like his family from gastric fever. Charles's death compelled Riley to go to the local police station and he requested that the death certificate shouldn't be made until his death gets properly investigated. A further investigation ensued when Mert Mary made a phone call to the insurance office rather than doctor's clinic. Wow. Okay, that's when it goes to her downfall. Okay, yeah, I see that right here. After Marianne's downfall came with the parish official, yep, Thomas Riley, asked her to help a nurse with a woman who was ill with smallpox. She complained that the last surviving cotton boy, Charles Edward, was in the way and asked Riley oh, if he could be committed to the workhouse. Riley, who also served as West Auckland's assistant coroner, said she needed to accompany him. She told Riley that the boy was sickly and added, I won't be troubled long. He'll go like the rest of the cottons. Wow. <laughs> Five days later, Marianne told Riley that the boy had died. Riley went to the police, and that's what my brother just read, that not to write the, not to do the death certificate until circumstances were investigated. Marianne's first visit after Charles' death was not to the doctor, but the insurance office. There, she discovered that no money would be paid out until a death certificate was issued. An inquest was held, and a jury returned. A verdict of natural causes. Marianne claimed to have used arrowroot to relieve his illness and said Riley had made accusations against her because she had rejected his advances. Then the local newspapers latched onto the story and discovered Marianne had moved to northern England and lost three husbands, a lover, a friend, her mother, 11 children, all have died of stomach fevers. The arrest. Wow. Rumor gave rise to suspicion and scientific investigation. Dr. William Byers Kilburn, who had attended Charles and had kept temples and tests to show if they contained arsenic. He told the police who married Marianne and procured exhumation of Charles's body. She was charged with this murder, although the trial was delayed until after the delivery of Durham Gall on January 7th, 1873, of her 13th and final child, whom she named Margaret Edith Quick Manning Cotton. Jimmy Ray Jim Bob. Jimmy Ray Jim Bob. Jimmy Ray Jim Bob. Anna Marie. Anna Marie Annabeth. Marianna Bell Smith. <laughs> John Jacob Jingleheimer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Trial and execution. Go for it. Execution. Mary Ann Cotton was finally hanged at Durham County Goal on 24th of March, 1873. And out of the 13 children she birthed in her lifetime, only two survived. A daughter, Margaret Edith, and a son, George Robinson. In pop culture, several books, stories, and poems were written on Mary Ann. In 2016, a television drama entitled Dark Angel was telecast on ITV. 
The show is based on a novel of crime novelist by crime novelist David Wilson titled Marianne Cotton, Britain's First Female Serial Killer. I also have her nursery rhyme right here. Marianne Cotton, dead and forgotten. She lies in her bed with her eyes wide open. Sing, sing, oh what can I sing? Marianne Cotton was tied up with a string. Where, where, up in the air, salad bag pudding's a penny a pair. Damn! (laughs) Holy shit, guys. Oh my god. She was. Just for insurance money. I mean, yeah, you see this type of shit with, like, with, I expect this from dudes, you know, because guys have more gambling debts, but I wonder what shit she got into, like, with her gambling debts or whatever. Maybe she maybe did have gambling debts, you know. Who knows? Or maybe she was those ones that were, like, just money hungry. That's true. That is true. And her own mother. Her own mother. That's crazy. Yeah, I'm a ride or die for my mom's shit, but... What were all her names? Morbay, Mowbray, Mowbray, Ward, and Robinson, and Robson, and Cotton. Well, it's funny that she's a bigamist. It doesn't surprise me. She I mean, killed up to twenty-one people altogether yeah. before being executed in eighteen seventy-three. Wow. Black Widow, indeed, though. She's like, I don't know. It's like the equivalent of all the crazy chicks that be like, he promised me this. That's a link. That's a red flag for you dudes out there. Same way, same way goes for women out there. They keep telling you early on to get a life insurance policy. There's something wrong in the picture. You gotta look for the red flags. It's like the red flags of of being in a a thing with somebody not knowing who they really are. She never confessed to any of the deaths, and the number of her victims is uncertain, though most sources believe it's upwards of 21 people. While some claim that she was Britain's first female serial killer, other women have previously been hanged for poisoning multiple people. However, Marianne was widely regarded as the country's deadliest killer until Harold Shipman who was thought to have murdered as many as 260 people in the late 20th century. Holy shit, maybe we found our next one. Right, I was just gonna say, well, mine is kind of high, that name is high right here. Let's see, I'm gonna put my, what are you doing over here, Harold? <laughs> Let's see if you are, Harold. Oh wow, shit. Okay, so this is recent. He was born in 1946 in Nottingham, England, died January 13th, 2014. Wow, so he didn't even make it to like his what? Well, that's good man. 58. He almost made it to his 58th birthday, just one day, sh- <laughs> one day shy. Damn. Yeah, for real. Born January 14th, 1946, died January 13th, 2004. What a waste. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah, he, oh, he was a British doctor and serial killer. Doctor? Doctor and serial killer. Wow. He murdered about 250 of his patients. According to an official inquiry into his crimes, Shipman's murders raised troubling questions about the powers and responsibilities of the medical community in Britain and about the 
adequacy of procedures for certain certifying sudden death. Wow. He was even born into a working class family in Manchester. A bright child, he became interested in medicine as he watched his mother receive morphine injections to ease the pain she suffered while dying of lung cancer. Oh man. It starts off with a trauma. Yeah, it is. And I know people. It's just like, okay, it's just like how um, her to her dad passed away. No, what's her name? Marianne Condi passed away, and then her stepfather coming in and being abusive or being mean and abusive. That's probably what triggered her to be the way she is. Way she I wouldn't is. doubt it because she traumas. probably blamed her father's death as, oh, well, he left me behind, so I'm just gonna go and kill everybody and leave them behind, too. Yeah. Like, I think I know what occurred. Like, what the deal with her mom is that she probably just like felt like you know her mom just up and moved on right away from her dad. Yeah. But you know, do you gotta remember they were in dire straits. I don't know if she would like actually recognize that they were in dire straits because of that. Then when they, they when um her dad died, her mom did inherit his debt. So that's highly fucked up. Yeah. Oh. My kitty carryalls do not look out for red flags. <laughs> oh my god, say look for red flags. Don't do it. <laughs> if they feel like they're doing a lot of too much, then you know, just don't. So that's that's one of the big lessons you gotta learn here and take there. I left them. So. All right, my kitty carryalls. That was Marianne Cotton. It was short and sweet. To the point. So, yeah, we'll be looking at some other stuff. And, uh, yeah, we'll be tuning in. Tune in Friday. Friday. Yeah, Friday we'll have a new uh, subject for you guys to listen to. and Maybe tomorrow night even. Maybe, yeah, we'll see. Depending on how we feel. Oh, yeah, thanks guys for the listens and all that we got our playback from um the rap thingy <laughs> our thing so we got a good pretty good good thing thanks to all our listeners we highly appreciate it we had a good week in october when we were talking about all the rest of those crazies um yeah so we might we were we were talking we might have merch we don't know yet we're still deciding <laughs> It's a big step, so you guys just stay calm, <laughs> and uh, we'll check you out either tomorrow or Friday. Have a good one. Later. Bye. Bye.